The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious. We'll be friends. Welcome in, everyone, to Visibilities on April Fool's Day. Um, I've seen a few good lines about that around today. Someone is unmuted. It's also got us coming through on a mute. Okay, I think we're in good shape now. Let's start it over again. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight on Visibilities. Uh, our quality, sound quality might not be up to its usual right level. And trust me, that is not John's. It's not Rick's. It's not Larry's fault. It's Terry's. Uh, I'm coming to you tonight from a hotel room up in the Boston area on an iPad instead of with my usual headset at my computer at home. So please excuse anything that sounds a little funkier than usual. Uh, tonight, I really wanted to talk about the joys of volunteering. And we all do, we all do a lot of volunteering, but sometimes... Sometimes it um, kind of gets left behind and we don't really think about just how much good some of us have gotten from a, from a volunteer or just how much good one of you may have done as a volunteer or many of you may have done as volunteers. And there are just such a wide variety of things that need to be done to help one another in this global community. And we are, we are all in a position, whether we think about it very often or not, we are all in a position that if we are not volunteering, we could be, and maybe we should be. And so tonight I wanted to bring a few people forward who I know have done a lot of volunteering um, in some pretty some pretty d unique situations, and so I'm going to ask our first speaker um, is going to be Marie Hennessy. Many of you know may know Marie. As she has been very involved with Ski for Light, um, with a lot of different things in Massachusetts, with different organizations and agencies, um, with I, I'm not even going to begin to go through through her entire bio. It's it's just take my word for it. It is impressive, and Marie is always there. I've always found I've known Marie now for oh easily. What am I, what's it been, 15, 20, at least 20 years. And I have just always found that Marie, whenever there's something that needs to be done, she's always the first to, okay, I'll do it. 
And the best part of it is when Marie says she'll do it, she does it. And so, Marie, I wanted to welcome you tonight. And thank you. There you are. And Marie is one of those people, one of us who retired. Actually, why am I saying us? I haven't had the brains to do it yet. Um, Marie is one of those people who retired in, we're putting that in very big quotes, because she um, is much busier now than I think she had a full plate to begin with. And now she has a full turkey platter to begin with, I think. And so, Marie, could you give give our listeners tonight some of the um, some of the tell us about how you feel when you find yourself in a position that's making a difference in someone else's life? For me, volunteering has been a wonderful experience, particularly because I have been very active in engaging new people, getting people together, and the satisfaction and the happiness that I get out of it is something that um, is just wonderful for me. And bringing people together is, is one of the reasons, among other things, um, as to why I continue volunteering. The more I do, the happier I am, the more people I can get together, have people to meet people, make new friends, which I have made in many of my volunteer experiences, um, is something that I, I hope that everybody has an opportunity to do someday if you haven't already done it already. And let me ask you this. Do you have you done much volunteering um, outside of the disability community? You know, like in your neighborhood, in the city in which you live, any of that type of thing? Um, I know you've done some outside of the blindness community, blindness and low vision community. Um, can you just give us some ideas of the things that you have done? Some of the things that I have done is uh, have always been willing to help my neighbors if they need help in my community. I have uh, been on a couple of the um, Malden uh, the cable shows that they've had. Um, and I feel like as a person with a disability, being in my community and being out there um, is a way that I promote a lot of um, great knowledge to people and seeing how people can do things in, in their community. And I think you've done a, an amazing job of that. Um, it's amazing the people that you run into I run into every once in a while and they'll say, did you know what Marie did? And uh, and it's always something really cool. Um, my son, who has multiple disabilities, one day came home from uh, from his day program and said, our friend was on, was at my place today. 
And I'm thinking, okay, can we narrow this down a bit? And I said, what friend? He says, you know from Perkins. And at the time, Marie was president of the Perkins Alumni Association. And I said, do you mean Marie? Yeah. And she remembered me. He was so happy that Marie actually said hello to him and and that and it was one of the things that was one of the major turnabouts because we were in the on the verge of having a problem with him in a placement at the time and it was the idea that that it gave him so much more self-esteem because somebody actually recognized him and talked to him and as i recall it was it was something on, uh, the, I think the presentation that Marie was there for was on self-advocacy. And trust me, yeah. he has become quite the self-advocate since then. <laughs> he, um, you know, for a kid that that started out with some really, really tough breaks in his life now, he can do things. He has low, he has low vision, um, and he, but he has a multi, several of the disabilities. But he can leave his home in the Boston area and get to mine and, and to mine and Frank's home in Maryland completely independently. Um, I'm not sure that I could do it sometimes. <laughs> but, and so much of that relates back to things, people being able to just increase their self-esteem and their self-confidence through volunteers like Marie was with Scott that day. And, you know, people just, we don't think twice about some of the things that we do that have, unfortunately, sometimes a negative, but hopefully more often than not, a very positive, a very positive impact on people. And so I want to go on a little further. Um, Marie, I'll be back to you shortly, but I do want to introduce okay. one of our other, our other uh, volunteer that I have <laughs> recruited for today. And um, many of you uh, probably remember Judy Cannon. Um, she was served as nominating committee chair. I seem to remember her either on credentials or credentials committee chair through the years. She's been involved with guide dogs. Um, she's, she did a lot in ACB through the years. Um, but we're not going to talk to Judy right now. We are going to talk with her husband, Larry. And Larry has been an amazing volunteer, especially with um, creating materials up at the Perkins School for young children. And I'm not gonna try and follow it all. I will. I know I will try and follow. I will follow it all up if I try to go on with it. But I wanna welcome Larry. Larry's done a lot of other volunteer work Actually, he and Judy, I am going to talk about something else with the two of them later that I don't know oh, if I mentioned to them. <laughs> but I do want to... <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, but I do want to introduce you all to Judy's husband, Larry Cannon. And welcome, Larry. Hello. Larry's an interesting sort. He's a chef and a crocheter and a make it out of an, um, make something out of next to nothing type person. Larry, can you tell people about some of the volunteer work 
that you've done up at Perkins through the years. Well, especially, the, especially the adaptive materials stuff. I thought okay. that was so well, if, you cool. wanna, if you want to go all the way back, <laughs> I used to volunteer in the early 70s. Um, when I, after I first moved to Boston, I was working at the Sheridan Hotel, and I had Thursdays off. So I used to come up Thursday afternoons, and I used to open the bowling alleys, which are no longer there. Oh, the kids okay. would come down, and they would bowl until dinner time. And then they would give me dinner in one of the cottages, and then I would help with study hall, both of which are long gone. <laughs> um, I then resumed volunteering after we moved to Watertown, and I retired. And one of the first jobs I had was uh, working in the recording studio at the Braille and Talking Book Library, reviewing the tapes editing the tapes for mistakes and errors and background noises and that type of thing. Uh, I've since given that up. Um, the second job I had um, and is ongoing um, was working with students after school, helping with homework um, and whatever else they had. Um, to date, I think um, I've had about seven or eight students um, some I've had for only one semester, some I've had for one year, some I've had for four or five years. Um, one of the uh, one, one student I had took a had finished all her coursework and took a, a correspondence course from Hadley School for the Blind in poetry writing, and I helped her get through that course. Um, I've worked with students after school doing homework and, and anything else that they needed to do. I had a student who was in, um, um, what was the cottage? Not Kellis. Kellis Sullivan? No, no, the other cottage where they Bennett. did their Bennett. She was in Bennett, and I would go and help her with, she was cleared to do cooking, and I would, as, as long as somebody supervised her, so I would go and supervise her cooking her evening meal. Um, and I would also take her to stop and shop to do her groceries. So she would do a, a meal plan and a grocery list and have it approved by the staff. And the staff would give her uh, cab vouchers. Well, I took her shopping one day and she lost her voucher to get back to, to, to the Perkins. So I made her walk back from, from Stop and Shop. <laughs> and when I got back, I said to Marsha Moore, I said, I'm sorry we're gone so long. I said, but she lost her cab voucher, so I made her walk back. And Marsha said, good for you. <laughs> and she never lost her voucher again. <laughs> um, and then the other great, job that... That would have been a great job for you to have where it was so involved with food. Um, that was, yeah. a good, that, that was a great opportunity yeah. for the two of you, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Supervising them, cooking their meals, and doing their grocery shopping and that kind of thing. And then the other job I've had that's been ongoing is in the Instructional Materials Center, um, which is located in the lower level of the Howe Building. Um, I don't remember what used to be there, Jude. What used to be there? It was, it was the wood shop and things of that nature. Okay. And... 
one of the main things that I do down there that I started doing when I first started was they're called, it's called a tactile indicator for students that for one reason or another don't have the ability to learn Braille. So if you think of a flashcard, this is basically a three-dimensional flashcard. We take a material called triwall cardboard, which is triple-thick corrugated cardboard, cut it into a four-by-five-inch block, base the edges with masking tape, prime it, and paint it, and then actually take an object, trace around the object, cut out a layer of the corrugation, and hot glue the object into the card. Um, a lot of them are campus-wide, although some of them were student-specific. Um, if you walk around the Howell building and go down the corridors where the classrooms are, you'll see um, the art room has a paintbrush. The math has a plus and minus sign. The science room has a little plastic beaker. Uh, the music room has a treble clef. So what we did was we took those, those cards and we put Velcro on the back of them. Took a piece of the car, the, took a piece of the triwall cardboard, covered it with a Velcro cloth, put a strap around it. The student wears it around their neck, and they'll say, "Okay, you're going to English, you're going to math, you're going to science, and then you're coming back here for lunch." And then in the afternoon, they'll give another sequence of whatever they're doing for the afternoon. So on any given day, I can go down, and there can be anywhere from a half a dozen to a dozen or more items that need to be embedded into these cards particularly at the beginning and the end of the year when students are transitioning up into different programs. Um, other things I've done in the IMC are um, back during the workplace administration, work progress administration, they put people to work and they built a lot of the scale models that are in the, um, in the tactile museum downstairs and I've restored a lot of those models one of which was St. Patrick's Church, which is in Watertown, on the other side of Watertown Square. And I was getting ready to restore it, and I was cleaning it up, and I took the roof off, and I'm cleaning the inside, which is pretty clean because the roof had been screwed into place. The outside had to be totally repainted and everything. And I'm looking at the floor, and there's four screws in the corner where, where all the pews were hand-carved, the altar was all there, the stained glass windows, and I'm looking at the floor, and there's four screws in the corners of the floor. So I took out the four screws and lifted up the floor, and there's the entire lower church hall, all in scale underneath. So I restored that. I restored um, several other models. Um, um, I've done things. Uh, teachers that would, are doing maybe a particular project will come down I had a teacher, this is two or three years ago, come down and say, I want to do a unit on bridges. Can you build me some model bridges? And I said, yeah, if I think about it long enough. I said, how soon do you need them? She says, well, not right away, whenever you can get to it. I said, okay. So I talked it over with Betsy, and we said, well, you know, do some research and figure out what you need for materials, and I'll get you the materials. I said, okay. So I came home, and I Googled model bridges. And unbeknownst to me, there are entire websites dedicated to building model bridges out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> Who knew? They use them in high school physics classes to test for different stresses. So I printed out about eight or ten different bridge models and 
took them down to Betsy, and she got me a couple of cases of popsicle sticks, and I built the models, including one which looks exactly like the, um, yeah, what's the bridge? The Zaycom Bridge. The Zaycom Bridge in Boston with, the, with the, the, the cable stays and everything else. Um, so now they're, now they're part of the tactile museum. Teachers will take them to their classroom, use them for, for lessons. They get broken. They send them back. I repair them. Um, uh, I've made a couple of tactile games. Um, the last one I did, a teacher designed a McDonald's game and brought it down and said, can you build this? Well, I said, yeah, probably. So it was basically a, a cafeteria tray. And it had different sections that held the portions of your McDonald's meal. So there was a napkin holder, there was a straw holder, there was a circular holder that held the hamburger, a circular holder that held the drink, a, a holder for the French fry container. And there were six items in all that went on the tray. So we made holders on the tray that held each of the six items. And then we made a, a six compartment box. And in, in each section of the box, we put a separate lid, and on the lid, we put dowel pegs. The dowel pegs symbolized the dots on the dice. So you rolled the dice, whatever number came up, you opened that lid, took the piece out, put it on your tray. Whoever finished their tray first won. Um, I've done that. I've done... Uh, Teachers need stuff laminated, um, copied and collated, um, whatever they need to do. So, Larry, you must tell my favorite story about the boat. Which is your favorite story about the boat? The boat that you're trying to, that you were building. Oh, the sailboat? Uh, the, no, the bigger boat where the kid took yeah, all the, the pieces yeah, the out. Four, the four-master schooner. Okay. So, a lot of the time, especially like during the end of the year when students are, are kind of winding down their classes and they, they don't have a lot to do, the, the cottage staff will find projects for them to do to keep them busy. And a lot of those projects um, involve building of models. But then the student graduated and moved on and left the model behind, and so I've got oh, probably a half a dozen different models down there that need to be finished. Well, one of these models was of a three-masted schooner. Beautiful wooden model. Betsy said to me, do you want to finish this? I said, sure. So I opened up the box, and there were parts of it that were built and parts of it that weren't built, and I'm reading through the plans and looking through, and I'm look, reading through the plans, and all the pieces were numbered. I said, oh, this will be good. And then I go back into the box, and, of course, all the pieces were numbered, and they were originally in separate envelopes, and the envelopes were numbered. But this student decided that they wanted to see what the pieces looked like. So instead of taking, instead of opening, you're laughing at me, instead of opening up one plastic bag and taking the piece out and looking at it and putting it back in the plastic bag, they put some of them back, but they decided some of them were just going to drop in the box. So I had no idea. So I had to look at the piece and try and figure out where it went. And then some of the pieces were missing. So I had to build the cut and fit pieces to fit, but we got it done. It was a challenge. Um, some I'm of the sure other models I did, a, I, I did a, a fishing boat in dry dock model. 
um, complete with all the nets and everything else. And that's down in the, in the, uh, that's in the classroom of the next to the, I, uh, next to the IMC. There's a classroom there and a lot of the models are in there. Um, what else have I done, Jude? I think you pretty much covered it. I think so. Yeah. It sounds that way. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like whatever, you know, so I never know what I'm going to be doing each week when I go. And he I mean, can't, and he can't wait to get back to Perkins. And I mean, there's, to do there's, this some, again. there's some things that were ongoing, like the models. So I knew that when I, after I finished whatever I had to finish that week, then I would take out the model and work on the model. But, you know, I never knew what was going to be on my bench each week that I went down. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. I've also helped with different occasions and, and things on the campus when they needed people, if they had people coming on campus for conferences and stuff and they needed somebody to direct traffic and get people from one building to another. I've done that sort of thing. Uh, one of my favorite things to do every year was to chaperone the prom. Um, and so, yeah, I never, you know, Linda from the volunteer office would call me up and say, what are you doing on such and such a date? Cause I think she had me on speed dial and I'd say, I don't know, Linda, what <laughs> am I doing on such and such a date? So, it, you know, I was, I was up there. Oh, you know, easily three or four times a week. And one day I was up in the Howe building doing, I don't remember what, and I was talking to somebody in the corridor and this lady comes down the hallway and she stops me and I had no idea who she was. And she says to me, excuse me. And I said, yes. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. She says, who are you? I didn't know who she was. It turned out to be Graciela from the business office. I said, my name is Larry Cannon. I said, I'm Judy Cannon's husband. I'm a volunteer here. I thought I was in trouble or something. <laughs> and she said, oh, okay. That explains it. And I said, explains what? She says, well, I see you all the time. You're all over the campus, but you never came in to get your paycheck. And I didn't <laughs> know who you were. <laughs> so Steve Rothstein was still a director at the time. So... A couple of weeks later, I ran into Steve. I said, Steve, I had an interesting meeting with Graciela the other week, but she wanted to know why I didn't get a paycheck. <laughs> and he just laughed, and he said, I'll tell her to double your pay. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks. And then that year at the volunteer banquet, Steve would run around and give out the gifts, and he'd come to me, and he said, you sure you don't work here? <laughs> <laughs> Steve is a character. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's about all the stories. Well, I, I could go on, but that's about all the stories I have for tonight. So, Well, I think that there are probably an awful lot of kids who owe you a heck of a debt of gratitude for the volunteering that you've done there. Um, I do the best I can. <laughs> that's it. And, you know, and it's, it, it's, that's all we, that's all any of us can do. No right. matter what's, um, you know, no matter what's happening, that's, we do what we can. Um, yep. I am going to ask, this is the surprise part. I am uh -oh. going to, um, now you got to, Judy's got to get back into her brain, get her brain back into the day. Go ahead. Because I think there is something else that the two of you have both done. Um, and it's really pretty non-disability related. Um, and that goes back to, for those of you, someday maybe we'll do 
a virtual tour of, of Perkins because it seems like between Judy and Larry, you heard half of it tonight. Um, but one of the other things that they have been very, very involved in in the past is the Boy Scouts. Oh, yeah. And actually, Cub, actually Cub, Cub Scouts. Scouts. Well, Cub Scouts. That's right, too. My mistake. I I yeah. knew you'd correct me on that one, Jude. <laughs> um, well, it, start, it's, it started when our son Daniel was in second grade, and he wanted to join oh, Scouts. First, first grade. First grade. And we went to a meeting. He came home with a notice from school. Yep, and went to a meeting, and the gentleman um, who was um, going to run the pack said... Is there anybody here who would like to run it? And we kind of looked at each other. No, is, is there anybody that has scout experience? Scout experience. Said first. We said, no, but we'll do it. And I had, I had done Cub Scouting when I was a kid, and I had also helped Ken Stuckey with the scouts at Perkins. That's a whole other story. But, um, and so he said, okay, so he said, all the first grade kids and their parents come with me into the other room. So we took all, because that's a separate program. It was a new program. So we all go in the other room, and there were how many kids that year? About 16, I think. 16 or 17, something like that. So the, the guy from council said, okay, I need two parents who would like to run this program. So Judy looked at me and said, you want to do it? I said, sure. So we stuck our hands up. And we had no idea what we were getting into, because we, you know. <laughs> So we kind of ran by the seat of our pants, and we ran the Tiger Cub program for a year, and then Daniel moved up to Cub Scouts. We were, I was a den, we were den leaders, co-den we were leaders. Co-den leaders for, oh. well, 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 after Daniel did his. Um, well, we had him for two years, two and then years. he went to what's called Weeblos. And he went on to Weeblos. And we gave him to another den leader. And we, he went on to another oh. den leader, but we stayed and ran the pack, the, the, the den. Yep. We and ran it, and then... Um, and then we ran the whole program. I became Cubmaster, and Larry time, became a Cubmaster. Well, I became assistant, assistant Cubmaster first. Right. With Ed. And then Ed left. And then Ed left and went to Braintree. Well, he went, he went uh, Randolph, and his kids were in school in Braintree, so... Judy took over as, as um, the cub master. cub master, and I stayed on as assistant cub master. So we ran that program for another five years. Both got our 10-year pin. Judy retired. During that time, our friend Ed, who moved to Randolph, his boys were in private school in Braintree, and they were talking Cub Scouts one day. So his son, young Ben, put his hand up and said, my dad was a cub master in Quincy. So they called Ed and said, would you like to help us get a pack started? And Ed said, sure. So he needed an assistant. So he called me. <laughs> so I went over to Braintree. We ran that program for five or six years. And then after we moved to Watertown, I was kind of looking for a pack to get involved in, but there wasn't one. And then one day we were up at the Arsenal Mall and there was a a notice for a Pinewood Derby race. So I called and got the contact information and talked to somebody from council. And they said, yeah, well, there was a, there was a pack and it, and it fell apart and we'd kind of like to get it started again. Would you be interested in helping us reactivate the pack? And, and I said, yeah. Yep, I said, and off he went again. And off I went again. Yep. So I ran pack in Watertown for like another six years, got my 20 year pin and said, okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> 
so we've been involved with many things through our lives, both yeah. of us, you know, yeah. and um, have loved and, every and minute of long, it. And how long did Daniel stay with, with Scouts? Daniel got Daniel his, went all the way, all the way through Cub Scouts. He got his uh, Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts he, he, got. He, he was one shy of the um, top award. Which is Eagle? He got his life, which got is his, pretty. He got his life badge. It's a lot of was, work. He did a great job. And he was he was yeah one one short of getting his Eagle badge, but he lost interest. Got involved in other things. He was very involved with emergency management program at Quincy, and so that kind of took over. Yeah. Right, but it but again, it was still something that was a great public service. Oh, yeah. And something that, we, and, and I think the other important thing is, Terry, it was something that we, Larry and I could do together. We could do together and we could do it as a rather family. Rather than uh, him doing one thing and me doing yeah. another, which we've done through our lives, but yeah. like we could do dancing. it together. It was great. It was like square dancing. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we square danced for I don't know how many years. We, yeah, went to exactly. a, we went to a demonstration dance in Quincy Square. And Judy said to me, do you think we can do that? And I said, I don't know. We'll go talk to a lady who's doing the yelling up there and see what she says. So afterwards, we went and talked to the caller and explained that, you know, Judy didn't see that well. And she said, well, if she can, you know, if she can come to class and learn the steps, she won't have any problem. And so we went, took the classes and, and went all we the went. way through. Off we went. Yeah. Yep. Square dance so, for I don't know how many years. Yeah. So, that was another thing that we did together because you could go anywhere. We used to go, we went to, um, we used to follow our square dance caller around wherever she went, if we could get there. One day she went way up in New Hampshire on a Saturday night, so we drove up to Judy's parents in New Hampshire on the Friday night and drove up to the dance and walked in on the dance, and Jesse looked, and I thought she was going to drop the mic. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway. And that's great. You know, and it makes you feel good, and it makes the other people feel good, too. And that's... Exactly. I think what's yeah. important about, about volunteering. Marie, I really didn't mean to cut you off totally. Uh, if you've got anything, if, if you want to, if you have anything else you want to contribute at this point, that would be fine. Or um, we can do that, or we can go ahead to, I would like to open the call up to um, some of our of our listeners that, are, that have joined us this evening. Who I do have a couple of things that I'd like to share, please, if I could. Go, please go right ahead. I think, I think one, you know, for each different volunteer opportunity that I've um, gotten involved with, I think there's something special about that. And just, I'll mention a couple. Um, as Terry mentioned, I was um, involved with Ski for Light first as the travel coordinator. Um, New England Regional Ski for Light is, is an, uh, um, <clears throat> an organization that provides um, many athletic outdoor activities for people that are blind and, and um, have sighted guides to assist us. So um, the, the thing about uh, New England Regional Ski for Light that I, I mean, there's a lot of parts of it, but when I um, was travel coordinator, one of the things that I most liked is planning the, you know, helping to plan the travel for everybody to get to and from because we went to a lot of different places. But the thing um, that was really most um, memorable for me is when I would speak with somebody to make the travel arrangements, many of these people, particularly, of course, the guides who maybe in some instances have never encountered a blind person before 
never had been involved with anybody or even met anybody for any reason, and they sign up for this trip to be with, um, you know, blind people for the weekend, blind and partially sighted people, just to be able to have a conversation, get to get them to feel at ease, to answer their questions. I would bring up, you know, particular aspects of the weekend, go over all the details, and really give them a time to talk to somebody that was uh, totally blind, but I also mentioned, you know, that there were different levels of vision that people had during the trip, and it really, really helped people prepare for the trip and feel, you know, much more uh, relaxed and ready to engage when when they first started. Um, so that was something about that that I liked. It was really, really enjoyed. And the other one that I'll mention, which has been something that has uh, really been a, an important part of my life, was um, I was one of, at my job at the Epilepsy Foundation, I was one of the founders of the first camp for children with epilepsy in New England with three other people. And um, I volunteered to the first summer that we did it to stay with the kids um, for a week at the camp. And it was, it was just an incredible, wonderful, enlightening experience. Now, these were kids from 8 to uh, 17 years old. Many of them have never, had never been away from home before in their lives. Many of them never had friends before, and many of them, um, you know, didn't have any independent skills or just uh, didn't have such great experience at school due to the nature of their challenges that they faced. But the day that um, I got there and, you know, I was the one making arrangements with the parents, and the parents, many of the parents said, Marie, you know, if it wasn't for you, I would have never let my, my kid come to this camp. This is just an amazing, it's going to be an amazing experience. And the day, you know, when these kids learned that they could play ball, they could swim, they could make friends, they could, we took them to the um, Sox when they were in, in Rhode Island, and they went to a game, and I remember one of the parents saying, well, what am I, they came, the parent came, and they said, what am I going to do? This is the first time that I've ever let my daughter sit with other children and, and be with friends. And she was like in tears. It was just such a memorable experience. But the day when they left, um, they all, you know, some of them, they didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay with their friends. And the end of this story is that um, this was um, in 2000 and, no, 1999. Some of these kids are still in touch with each other. And they have an incredibly wonderful bond. So those are just two things that I would like to share about some of my volunteer experience. Yeah. I, like Larry, could go on forever here, and I know we're not, we can't do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we could. <laughs> but but um, it, 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 it just, you know, for those who receive services from anybody or assistance from anybody volunteering, um, you know, I, I, just got, I just always get so much out of it. Probably more than when some of the people do. So, I I appreciate this opportunity to uh, speak about this. And uh, ACB is a wonderful place to to start to to do this. Thank you. 
Well, thank you. And you know, one of the things that struck me in the, the first one you were talking about, about at Ski for Light with the open conversations, is I think that one of the things that struck me, I went to them once, and one of the things, Frank, my husband used to go to Ski for Light a lot. That's how we really first got to get to know Marie. <laughs> that was great. Was, was through Ski for Light when Frank used to go. And But one of the things that struck me at the time was that this, it, doing something like those open conversations and such with especially with the um with the guides and the what were we called the helpers i forget now what the term was that they had for that um <coughs> is that they got to really be comfortable with the idea of not all people not all blind people are the same you know they got to the to be comfortable with you know, so and so is gonna is gonna be a drag on you. So and so, this person over here is great. You're gonna be flying with this one. Um, you know, they got to be comfortable with realizing everyone's pluses and minuses. Everyone's and Terry. Beyond beyond that, I can tell you that I have made some of my most wonderful friends who were guides as well, and. Uh, in 2014, my one of them and myself, we, we took um, a trip to Ireland. So there's a whole other piece to that, too. <laughs> that's true. But and, and that's the thing, though, is I think that people really get get a much health, much better sense of who each, I won't say who we, but who each individual participant is. And I think that's important. John Ross. First of all, let me thank you for hosting for us this evening. Could you just go over to folks, for folks, the um, hand raising and muting and unmuting so that we can sure give people okay. opportunities. Um, I'd like to give everyone an opportunity to either tell us your, your volunteer experience, um, whether it's that you've been doing the volunteering or or getting the benefit a benefit from a volunteer uh, or if you have anything any questions you'd like to ask so please feel free to raise your hands and John I'll be quiet so you can talk now <laughs> okay muting is a toggle so you, you can use this uh, the sink and then mute or unmute if you're on a PC it's all day on the iMac it is command shift day and on the app, it's in the button in the lower left-hand corner. And on a regular house phone, it is star six to mute and then mute. To raise and lower your hand, if you are on a PC, it's Alt-Y. On the Mac, it's Option-Y. On the app, it's the raise and lower hand feature is under the more button in the lower right-hand corner. And our regular phone is star nine. And our first hand is Deanna Noriega. Hi, Deanna. Welcome this evening. Hi, Terry. Um, I think one of the things that volunteering does for you is it allows you to get really comfortable working around people that don't know you, don't know blindness, so that you're no longer as shy and it also gives you job training skills um when i was about 14 my brothers were mowing lawns 
And I was ironing for all the neighbors uh, at 10 cents a piece because um, my family was always economically stressed with five kids and stuff in my 55-foot mobile home in a mobile home park. So I ironed. Um, it started out when a neighbor saw me ironing my, my dad's shirts where he had to have sometimes as many as three white shirts in a day as a salesman because he always wanted to look crisp and perfect, you know. All and right. So um, she, she was startled, and she said, you know, I really hate ironing. How much would you charge? So I started doing that. Um, but I wanted to babysit like some of my friends did. And I knew that wasn't going to be easy because nobody wanted to hire a totally blind babysitter. So what I did is I put up in the laundry area um, a card um, that said, I will volunteer to babysit for free so that you can see how I would handle your kids. And if you like what you see, then these are my rates. And so, and I said, you know, you can be there and babysitting for free. You can do, you know, whatever you need to do and I'll take care of the kids. So that's how I got my foot in the door. And I went and I got to be a very popular babysitter because I never said no. I took five kids under five. I took a senile grandmother. I took um, <laughs> a Down syndrome baby that was very tiny and very frail and her two and a half year old brother you know and I said look first of all when I would go in I would say okay I need to know some stuff I want you know I had my little notebook with a slate and stylus and I said I need to know emergency numbers if you know is there um first of all if you're going if you know where you're going give it to me you know if you're going out to dinner what restaurant that kind of thing then i need to know your pediatrician or doctor's number i need to know the routine that your kids have at bedtime do you want me to bathe your children do you want me to rock this one to sleep you know, does that one need a teddy bear? Tell me exactly what your evening routines are so that I can follow your rules. How do you want your children disciplined? Um, do you want me to, you know, and then I said, and I'm the oldest of five kids and I've been babysitting all my life. And my mom is here in the same trailer park, just a phone call away if I run into something that I don't know how to handle. And so they would hire me and um, <laughs> it didn't pay as well as the ironing. It was 50 cents an hour and I could certainly iron more than five pieces in an hour. <laughs> you know, um, I did have people that when I moved away, when we finally were able to buy a house and, and move away 20 miles, I had people that would drive that 20 miles round, you know, 40 miles round trip to get me to watch their kids. Cool. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and that's it, you know, it, by volunteering, you ended up in a, with a nice little income coming in from it. Oh, yeah. I think that's great. Thank you. Uh -huh. Linda, uh, Linda's iPhone. If you can unmute for us. Hi. Um, I, um, I, I did some volunteering here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, they had a group that met every 
every, every I forget how many times a month, but but it was a, a volunteer group that stuffed envelopes and different things. But the group was it was a, it was organized. It was a group of people who had recently lost their vision, and then those of us who had always been blind to try to give encouragement to those who just lost their vision. And we, but we did some volunteering, you know, like I said, stuffing envelopes and, and other things too that, and so we were, would talk and, and try to give encouragement to those who just lost their vision. And, you know, even stuffing an envelope could be, an accomplishment for someone who's just lost their vision in realizing the things that they can do. Yeah, um, stuff we bad. had we, we, we had a very similar situation. That's what you're reminding me of. Um, my mother's class reunion. They were somewhere in excess of fifty years reunion at the time. One of their people, one of their committee members, had lost most had lost her vision, and you know the original committee was like. Well, we'll have to find somebody else to do the stuff that she used to do. And I said, why? Well, don't you just give her? I said, there's a lot of stuff that she could still do. And she was tickled to, and that's actually the one thing that they did was one person would do the trifold of the paper to go in, of the sheet of paper to go into the envelope. And she would, and they just stack them up in the right order, you know, in the right, um, folded in the right direction for the envelope and she got to and she would stuff the envelopes like you know as though just as everybody else would but what it really gave her more than anything was it gave her the socialization that all sit around one big table having a fun time doing and that's what this organization was like you know Harry, it's in hell the hour yes thank you john um, yeah, I want to, I, actually, I want to try to get off a few minutes early tonight, um, because the ACB Board of Directors meeting oh, is taking place at eight o'clock over on Media Stick. I want people to have an opportunity to listen to what happens at that board meeting tonight. That's a pretty important call, um, on this decision on whether we're going to have a virtual or a hybrid convention. Um, and the and the issues that are going to be brought forward by members of the board um, as far as all of that's concerned. So let's see how all of that goes. We have a hand. Meanwhile, we do have... Um, Area code 505, I believe that's Beth from New Mexico. Yeah, Beth. Beth, good evening, Beth. Hello, Terry. Yeah, I like volunteering, too. Um, Tell us about uh, your volunteering. Who, me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, my kid's father got me into vol volunteering at first, and then I got a job there with Catholic Charities translating Spanish into English because he's Cuban. Um, and I used to do that in Albuquerque. Um, I'm hoping to find another volunteer job too here. Well, we moved where, yeah, where we moved to 
And um, I was going to ask you, the board of directors call is not listed on the community call. Um, because it's not a community call. Well, I have no idea. I, I, I have no idea. Um, it's list. It went out on the ACB conversation. It's oh, and oh. It's, it's not a dial in. It's Rick. Can you? It's available. It's being streamed, but I don't know beyond that. I honestly don't. I don't know if someone it's else. Might. It's being streamed. I could probably find it. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's being streamed on six. So I, I'm guessing that maybe that dial-in phone number is also good to press six, but that's purely a guess on my part. Yeah, the normal dial-in number for ACB Media, you would do option six, please. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, I did. I liked volunteering a lot when, uh, you know, when I used to do that, and then they decided they should pay me. I'm like, all right, you know, the baby grief, taking it back and stuff. And I didn't mind that either. And it was doing the good service. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not getting what you're saying. I'm having, I'm having trouble hearing on this device tonight. Oh, missing what you're saying. Said, so please, please, oh, if, I'm, if I'm responding badly. I don't mean it's not. Please don't take it himself by it. Um, let me very quickly thank you and Nora. Um, just ask Nora to unmute. We've got about one minute left. Nora, Hello. there you are, Nora. Hi. Yeah. Um, I like volunteers. I used to work for a very short time, Special Olympics uh, uh, for the. Uh, with a thing called Daring, Daring Adventures, and I used to help out by giving out uh, awards, well, more, more like gold and silver and bronze medal, medals, and I used to help out another time, which is really fun, and I enjoyed doing the, the bowling meet, uh, the bowling uh, league thing, and I volunteered, and I'm, I'm doing, uh, unwrapping the uh, Gold and silver and bronze medals, and I thought that was fun. So I enjoyed those. That was back in 19, that one was back in 1999, and the others were like back in the mid, uh, mid to late 90s. So I had so much, so much fun doing that. It was really fun. So that was it. I'm sure, I, I've always thought Special Olympics was a great organization to, to do any volunteer work for. I did a little bit with them once. Um, but then I've done a little bit with too many, with, with so many places that I, I don't even remember what, I, I remember going to, I remember helping out a couple of times at some track meets that they had. Um, but they are, they're a great organization. I always liked working with them, with them. Along with a few other groups, but anyhow, I want it's to thank. Until the hour. I especially want to thank Judy and Larry Cannon and Marie Hennessy and all of you who have participated with us this evening. Um, it's been great fun. I just hope that everyone gets as much out of volunteering, whether you're volunteering or or not. 
or your your receive which whichever end of the volunteerism you're on, um, that you really appreciate it. I know there are times when you feel as a volunteer that you're not being appreciated or you know it's one of those every good deed goes unpunished kind of days but over the long haul it's i have always felt it to be well well worth taking doing whatever i can for whoever we can i think most everybody with us tonight feels that way now let me tell you one other big piece of one other really cool thing and that is what's going on next friday night on visibilities on April 8th by popular demand because everybody went crazy over it when we did it last year. Jerry Barrier has agreed to come back and do another session with us on blind birding. And I, I know cool. some of you were here then and we'll, and I'm sure hope you'll all be back with us uh, next week. And we just had a great time with him before he was giving people little trivia questions on birds and um, playing uh, different bird songs that um, everybody was guessing out who they, what bird they were. And, and many people knew exactly what bird it was. Um, truthfully, you get me past a seagull and I'm in trouble. But um, so I want to well, wish you all a very, very happy and safe week. Happy trails to everyone. We're still going to be, we, we will be home in time for next week's call. So I can uh, sound a little bit more like myself on that. And in the meanwhile, have a great week. And good night, one and all. <laughs>